Welcome to the Sermon Amp Podcast. I'm Joseph Wheat, pastor and host, and today you'll hear the first sermon amplification from the new series, Finding the Grace Life Through Its Opposite, The Seven Woes of Jesus from Matthew 23. But stick around to the second segment of the podcast and you'll hear an interview with someone I have known for a long time and done ministry with for a long time, Billy Meenan, our assistant pastor over senior high and just a fine pastor in this church. But first, let's go back to Matthew 23, verses 1 through 12 for the Sermon Amp. Have you ever had anybody tell you, you're killing me? Well, in the case of the Pharisees during the earthly ministry of Jesus, this was true. By the time Christ began his ministry, they had added 633 laws to what was in the scriptures, and no one could deal with it, not even them. You see, that's what rules-based religion does. It crushes you while trying to protect you. It makes so many outward things the sign of spirituality rather than the heart. Jesus says that it sets up a falseness on the part of those trying to teach it because they can't do it either. In verse 2 of Matthew 23, Jesus says, The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you from the Scriptures. But do not do what they do, for they preach, but they do not practice what they preach. Just before our text today, which is Matthew 23, 1, you've got the end of Matthew 22. It's the last time in Matthew's gospel that the Pharisees openly challenged Jesus. And Jesus takes the offensive and asks them about the Messiah from Psalm 110, and they missed it, and they were furious. And the point is that if you miss who Jesus is, you've missed everything. It is rules-based religion versus grace-based religion. The Old Testament is full of the gospel of grace. That's the whole point with the covenant with Abraham that God himself gave indication that he would fulfill rather than Abraham and his seed to have to fulfill. It is a gift of God. All those animals sacrificed in the temple as a gift of grace to cover over sins until the Messiah would come. Look, they stripped the grace out of the Old Testament, and you were left with the doing instead of the believing in grace. John 6, 28 says, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered, This is the work of God, that you believe in him he has sent. Having alts and shoulds without grace is a burden that nobody can bear. Jesus said in Matthew 23, the Pharisees, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but do not lift a finger to help them. You can just see a poor pack animal that has been so laden down that it finally collapses and the master berates it and beats it and, and punishes it for not being able to carry. That is the picture of the Pharisees putting load after load of law and rule after rule. It is crushing. The way of Jesus, however, is the way of grace, and it's the way of rest and relief and joy and blessing and peace. 
we believe and receive. And then we are able to do. Then we are able to repent and be in this process of God making us more like him. Sinclair Ferguson asks, as we deal with other people, does the spiritual life you tell people about, like the Pharisees did, does it create a burden or does it create a blessing? Is it backbreaking or does it bring rest and the compassion and care of a Savior who loves us? You know, for the Pharisees personally, if it's all on you and you can't pull it off, you've got to try to look like you're able to do it. That's why Jesus said, you know, they do all their deeds, verse 5, to be seen by others, for they make their phylacteries broad, those things on your forehead with the scriptures in it, and their fringes long, the prayer fringes, because they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. They love to be called rabbi by others. Now, I know none of us would ever want to look good. Well, they certainly did, and those, those phylacteries, that little scripture that they took literally from Deuteronomy eleven eighteen about imprinting the words on your hearts and minds, but binding them as a sign on your hands and a symbol on your foreheads, theirs were huge so they could show how spiritual they were. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. When you give, don't sound the trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets so that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they've received their reward. But when you give, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. They wanted to be seen. They wanted to look like what they actually were not. They could not obey their own religion and have the relationship with God either. And they craved titles and admiration. I know that we do the same. We tend to want to look good. That's what Facebook and so many things often kind of finds, finds itself to be. And we crave titles and positions and things that validate us, but with God, none of that helps because all we brought to salvation was our sin. The word arrogant Christian should never go together, but humble Christian, grateful Christian, loving Christian. Jesus ends with these words, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Which way you want to go? The way of the Pharisees or the way of Jesus, which is the way of grace? And which way will you impose on others? Welcome to the second segment of the podcast. I am sitting here across the table from my dear friend, and valued colleague in student ministries here and other ministries that I'll tell you about later, that's Billy Meenan. Billy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. And uh, there's there's connections that Billy and I have that I, I suspect a lot of folks in the church don't know about. Uh, you were 15 years of age in 1998 when I became your pastor in Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, 
Billy and I didn't hang out all the time or anything like that, but uh, I do uh, remember that you were involved with children's ministry and some different ministries. Um, I also remember you're a phenomenal athlete, a uh, really great soccer player. I do have one particular memory during uh, VBS, you know what I'm about to say, uh, during VBS, Vacation Bible School at Village 7, that was a huge production there. Um, they put me, I don't know why they wanted me to do this, they, I was in the play and they put me in front of a soccer goal. Billy, are you in a rabbit suit or something? A lion. I was a, Leo lion. the lion. Sorry about that. Yep. Yeah. Leo the lion. Okay. <laughs> Far from a rabbit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Mr. Soccer player is going to try to kick the ball through, and it, if I remember correctly, you have no problem kicking the ball past me. <laughs> it, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, score! <laughs> Leo the Lion, senior pastor zero, Leo one. But that was a fun memory, and uh, you went off to Covenant College, played some college soccer there, and then transferred to Colorado State. We're going get, to get him to tell you all about this in a minute. Um, but one other connection I'll mention is when Gina and I and, and Sarah, Caitlin, and, and Emily moved out to Colorado, one of the things that I helped do was to establish a, a, a church planting network. We didn't have any RUFs out there, so one of the things we really targeted was RUF, and Colorado State was our first RUF. So it's kind of cool sitting here. Billy and I were having just a great discussion before the the the, the interview um, that he had a tremendous experience with RUF, and that I actually was the person that kind of kicked that off and had some influence in actually bringing RUF to the West. So you and I have we we've got some really good um, interplay in our lives, and I just appreciate you and love you and and have for many many years. So. Um, Talk to us a little bit about your upbringing and just tell us what that was like and where and all that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so I was born born and raised in Colorado Springs. Um, I was baptized at Village 7 Presbyterian Church where, where you were the pastor eventually. Um, very, very thankful that I was raised in a Christian home. Always, you know, Jesus was my Savior from day one. That's what I was taught. So I'm well, those covenant thankful. children. We yeah. love that, man. We love it. Absolutely. Um, I am the oldest of three. Um, my parents, my parents did get divorced when I was in fifth grade, which definitely had, um, a longstanding impact on my life. Um, very thankful to see how God has used that in ministry and in, yeah. in my life and in my experiences. Do you mean a part of your empathy with people comes from that difficulty? I, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just being able to, to say I've walked in those shoes mm -hmm. and, and I think you're absolutely right. That's good. So, um, yeah, you know, was very blessed. Uh, I, I can see the Holy Spirit working in my life from very early on. Um, my wayward soul certainly would have tried to wander, um, <laughs> but he kept me very rooted in the church. And, and my good friend Jeremiah Schaefer, who some of, some of you may know from Colorado Springs. Was I know a, him and love him. He was a big part of that. <laughs> hey, and, Jeremiah, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, he was a big part of that, of always making sure I was coming, and, 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 and so that, I'm very thankful for that. Um, yeah, so I went to Covenant College, um, mostly to, to play soccer. Um, what position did you play on the soccer field? I, I was a striker. I like to score goals. Okay, so you're a forward, yes. right? Yep, striker, forward. Yep. forward. I didn't know any of this till we moved to Mississippi and our girls started playing yeah. soccer. <laughs> yes, long, long time ago. 
Um, so Covenant just was not the right fit for me, um, just academically and also spiritually. It just was not the place that I needed to be. Um, so I transferred to Colorado State, where a lot of my friends were, um, and got plugged into RUF. It was right as I was transferring. It had started the semester before. Um, Kyle Parker was yep, your Kyle RUF, Parker. and we, to this day, love Kyle Parker. Yes. I get to see him about twice a year when he heads through here, and yep. I know you got to see him a, mm-hmm. one or two times ago. And, uh, and it really it was through RUF that through, you know, I think faith truly came to capture my heart. Um, and it was really through RUF and through the ministry of Kyle Parker that, <clears throat> excuse me, it was really through RUF and through the ministry of Kyle Parker that I felt my call to ministry. Yeah. Um, and I had actually done youth internships at Village 7 uh-huh. previous to that. That's when Leo the Lion yeah. <laughs> made it, made it to text. Um, but it was just really through that um, that that did that. So I, um, I started doing youth ministry as an intern at, at Village 7. Um, I was the volunteer youth. Under Jeff Godwin. Yes, yes. Uh, who was a great youth minister mm-hmm. out there. Um, and then I was the volunteer youth director for the church plant in Fort Collins that was a part of that church Grace, plant. Grace Church, yeah, right? Yeah, Grace Church Presbyterian. Um, and so got to have kind of the big church experience at Village 7, then a church plant experience. Um, after that, I actually followed my RUF campus minister out to Eugene, Oregon, where um, he, was, he became the pastor out there, and I yeah. did a one-year a pastoral internship and youth director um, in Eugene, Oregon. Which, you know, for, for, for as far as just being a Mississippi, Colorado, sure yeah. seems foreign. <laughs> Eugene, Oregon felt foreign to me as a Colorado. Yeah. It was a, a wonderful experience, though. Just an incredible yeah. experience. Um, after that, I accepted a position uh, in near Tampa, Florida, as a director of Youth and Family Ministries. Um, and, and that's where we brought you up here from. Correct. Yep. That right. Was, that's where I was. Yeah, a little factoid about Billy. Uh, your mother's from England, right? She's not from England. She lived Sorry. there for seven years. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, for some reason in my mind, I, I had no, her I, from England. I, I, I suppose I have to make a confession. Both of my parents are from New York. <laughs> so I have very northern roots. Well, you know what is what Larnie Shinnick says when, when people say, you're not from around here, are you? And he says, no, but I got here as quick as I could. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. <laughs> well, I remember uh, you coming here and just diving into youth ministry and senior high. Um, those were some good years. Wilson Shirley was the, um, the, the person over student ministry at that time. Shout out to you, Wilson. Hopefully we'll get you to listen to this as well. Um, you've mentored some good folks along the way as well. What was that like just kind of coming up to Mississippi? Mm-hmm. From Eugene, Oregon, Colorado, and then then like t- Tampa, yeah, Florida, yeah. and coming up here to Mississippi. Yeah, well, thankfully, I had I actually did an internship in 2005 at First Pres Hattiesburg. Oh, that's right. And so I'd had a little bit of taste. Yeah, a, a very very small. It was just over a few months. Yeah. of just how hot it was for sure, <laughs> but I just got a little bit of feeling. Enough just, vocabulary to get around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so I had a little bit of a taste, but coming here to Highlands was really a very, very pivotal point of my life. Um, just being able to, being blessed to be able to do youth ministry in lots of different areas. Um, it just kind of came in a time in my life, um, at my previous church, that was just struggling with just feelings of inadequacy, struggling with call to ministry, um, just really just feeling down. So um, I had made the decision actually to just go to seminary. 
um, and just get seminary out of the way and then maybe pursue RUF or maybe even or you whatever, know, adult yeah. ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I, when I was visiting campuses, I actually called you mm-hmm. and said, hey, I'll be in the Jackson area. I'd love to talk. Um, and we talked for a little bit. You know, you described the seminary, described Highlands and everything that was going on. And then at the very end, you said, oh, by the way, <laughs> we are currently hiring uh, a new senior high coordinator. You should mm-hmm. think about putting your resume in. So, And I still remember, this is, a, this is a moment that I will remember the rest of my life. I went home, and I was sitting at my, my uh, kitchen table. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lord, I, am, I prayed. I said, Lord, I am so burnt out. I am so scared, and I think, you know, I, I don't think that I want this. I don't think this is where I, I said, however, if this is your will, I know that you will change my mind and my heart. And so I filled out the application, and I sent it in, and, and Wilson Shirley called me just a couple mm-hmm. of days later. And through that interview process, through just talking with some of the other people on the hiring committee and, and, and talking, I just... God answered my prayer and completely yeah. changed my heart. Well, and we just love you, and and I'm going to talk a little bit of just the, the evolution of Billy Meenan as a minister of the gospel. It's been just wonderful to see. So I want to take you back to Colorado State. Uh, were you a sophomore when you got there or a junior? I don't know. I was a, I was actually second semester freshman. Okay, so you went your after your first year. Okay, yeah. I didn't realize that, yeah. or during your first year. Um, how long was it when you met one Christina, now Meenan? So um, y'all, by the way, I got to say something about Christina. She's like one of these quieter, like superheroes in the church. You talk about a, a just a, a beautiful, uh, lovely, get it done person. We love Christina. So when tell us about meeting her. So I took um, a, a the scenic route through college. Uh, <laughs> I did not graduate in four years, um, but I met her when I was in my second to last year. Um, she was a year behind me, um, so she she was 20 and I was 22, uh, <laughs> so long ago. It seems to be crazy, but yeah, we met through just our, our roommates. My roommate was dating her roommate, and we just met through <laughs> mutual friends, um, just very, very randomly, um, and then she began coming to RUF and church with me, and, and uh, very quickly uh, came to the realization that that was who God had for She's me. She's the one. Yes. Uh, I know when you came here, uh, Bear was born here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say you didn't have children because um, I think we baptized all of them, if I remember very, very, very carefully there. Um, how long were you here when when uh, Bear came along? And you can give us – I want their whole names, like yeah. first and second yeah. names. We love your kids, man. No, well, thank you. They, I, I, they need it. <laughs> they need all the love. <laughs> yeah, so when we moved here, we were we had been married – about two, two and a half years. So we were mm-hmm. still kind of newlyweds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about two years into it, my son was born because he's eight. And yeah. uh, so his name, his full name is William Elwood Meenan the Fifth. The Fifth? That's like royalty, man. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, William Elwood. Mm-hmm. Reminds me of a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm on a mission from God. Yep. <laughs> I love it, man. William Elwood Meenan the Fifth. Yep. Um, I was. I knew awesome. since the since the, the earliest that I remembered what my name was and why <laughs> I had the fourth at the end of it. I, was, I said, if God gives me a boy, gives me a son, I want to name him. That. We're going to keep going. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so he's eight. He he goes by a lot of people know him by Bear. He goes by Will as yeah. well at school. So Will or Bear, he answers to both. 
Uh, and then my world was completely flipped upside down when I know what my you're about to say. beautiful fireball of a daughter, <laughs> Evelyn, was born. She's precocious, Billy. Yes. She's precocious. Uh, we she, love her. She, and another, her interesting name for her, her, her name is Evelyn Mary Meenan. And on Christina's side, the name Mary is either the first or the, set, the middle name for, I think, eight or nine generations. Wow, so there's some real continuity. Yeah, so the ma- you yeah. know, from, for people that aren't Southerners, there's a lot of continu- yep. family continuity yep. right there, man. That's, yep. not, that's downright Southern, you we, know? We were made for it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and she is five. And then um, I have our youngest son, Samuel Montgomery, meaning uh, Montgomery is Christina's maiden name, yeah. which is fun. And he is, he is two years old. What what is Samuel like? Of course, I know Bear and and, uh, and Evelyn really well. I love talking to them when mm-hmm. I can. But tell us what Samuel's like. Yeah, so Sam he he is a unique combination. Um, <laughs> he is he's he's actually our our snuggliest, um, most affectionate child, but he's also our most stubborn, <laughs> um, most stubborn and independent, which I imagine is a very normal thing for for the last going to be powerful one day yes. man for the lord so he is uh you're exactly right he I, he is a bulldozer <laughs> in personality and form yeah. um so he he definitely will keep us on our toes what are some of the things you like about youth ministry you're, i mean i, I admire I, I i i was a youth minister briefly and i was not a good one i just don't have the it factor. I'm not fun for people, <laughs> junior high or senior high. Once you get to college, I'm kind of fun, I guess, or maybe I used to be. I don't know. Or maybe I, I never have been. But, um, you know, I love the fact that with you and Devin both, um, y'all have not seen youth ministry as a stepping stone. And we and we say at Highlands there are no junior Christians. Mm-hmm. Like, these are our brothers and our sisters. Mm-hmm. They, if anything, they're more valuable because of the future and the, the duration of impact for the kingdom that, you know, uh, all things considered, is left in their lives. Mm-hmm. I love the fact uh, that you love youth ministry. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that. Yes. Well, I think that comes back from my the foundations that I had. You know, youth ministry was the foundation upon which a lot of – children and youth, but, you know, that during a, a very hard time during my life, youth ministry was what – was how God's his means of grace were given to me. Yeah. Um, and you're exactly right. If I, I've always seen youth ministry not as a stepping stone, not as a practice ministry, right? But ministry, it is yeah. what God has called me to. You know, it's one with of the most, substantial people who are just younger. It, exactly. You know, and it's so fascinating to see what happened. I mean, think about a, a sixth grader and a twelfth grader, mm-hmm. a twelve, eleven or twelve year old to an eighteen year old. Mm-hmm. You know, the transformation that happens just in that short span is, I mean, you become a different person. You sound different, look different, think different, you know. And so it just changes are happening so drastically. And the formation of the brain and worldview and personality and just all those things. And, And so one of the most amazing things about youth ministry is that we get the privilege to be a part of that. Yeah. To to not only witness and see, but actually you know, have a have have a hand in in shaping and forming, of you know, being able to to, to teach and and say things that you wish you had known at a younger age. But mm-hmm. you know, that's that's one of the biggest things is, is sometimes people will say, I, I just don't know how you do what you do, and I say it, it's a it's a privilege. Yeah, it's it's a it's a glimpse into a, a very difficult and fun part of life that not, not a lot of people get. Yeah, and that sounds the way you're describing like a calling. You know, mm-hmm. and. Um, I know when when the the one stop along the way that there was some some 
tumult, and we all have a tumultuous stop along the way, mm-hmm. and myself included. Um, Highlands was a good place to to kind of recover and grow, wasn't it? One hundred percent. And I even in my interview process, I said, you know, I think the Lord has called and gifted me to youth ministry, but you know, I'm coming with some wounds, and and I said, I said, I, you know, I need a place that is going to allow me to heal allow me to grow and, and give me grace as I do it. And the hiring committee said yes, and that is 100% true. And I was yeah. given the freedom with loving restraints and discipline to yeah. work out those wounds and, and, and be able to do that. And just an incredible blessing to me as an individual and as a, as a young pastor as well. You know, on this podcast, as I we just talk a little bit about Highlands, one of the themes that seems to be emerging is that theme of grace, acceptance, graciousness. And y'all, in the audience, y'all, um, being a pastor, I want you to know how wonderful this church is because being a pastor is kind of like this. You're expected to forgive everybody to show Jesus, and we want to. And then, like in like normal pastorates, and then when you mess up, it's just cancel Christmas. Like you could do 95 out of 100 things well, but, you know, because you're a pastor, sometimes you really get criticized. That has not been the case at Highlands. I am so grateful. Highlands kind of sees the 95. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I agree wholeheartedly. It's really unusual, mm-hmm. and we have longevity. You've been here ten years. Devin's been here fourteen. Brad's been here. We were talking about this. We think nine years. Larnie's been here eight years. Uh, Laurie's been here. I've been here sixteen years. Laurie's been here seventeen years. Becky's been here twenty-five or six years. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about the longevity. There's a lot of times people don't have longevity in church environments just because. You know, there's there there is that kind of wreckage, and you just can't weather it that long. So, shout out to the congregation and the leadership of Highlands. Um, we on staff really appreciate you. Okay, I want to at the close of our interview here add a little value to our listeners from your area of interest and expertise. I, I do want to say this about you before I go there. You, you've really grown and evolved just as a minister of the gospel. You finished seminary here, got through Presbytery, and one of the things we discovered about you, we already knew it in the context of youth ministry, that you've got pastoral gifts, uh, meaning you know, you're a great listener and you've got good wisdom and you're, you're able to work through things with people. Um, and we've really seen that uh, in your we Billy uh, does, and I, I do a small part. He does the lion share of the premarital counseling here. We've really seen you step into some pastoral roles and recognize those gifts and others. But I I, I want the congregation to know that. Also, uh, you're a great teacher and preacher. All of our guys, we hire people who can really teach and preach the word. We want to multiply that. Um, but we really appreciate just how you've grown. I wanted to say that. And for somebody that's known you since you were 15, it's especially um, pleasing to be able to say that uh, during this interview. So add some value. What's it like? What are some things that are really kind of challenging for our young people today? 
Yeah, well, thank you for, for your words, your kind words as well. Yeah, one of the things that just I've seen is kind of one of a, it's a base root issue that I think is, is kind of hurting our students right now. Um, and really, you know, what we're seeing, go ahead. Come a little closer. We, uh, and we got we got people uh, upstairs. I don't know. If, I hope you can't hear this, but there's a lot of banging going on. They're getting ready for VBS. I said, get closer to the mic. <laughs> Go ahead, Billy. Sorry. Yeah. So one of the things it, with the you know it has to do with technology and it has to do with communication and relationships. Mm -hmm. And as technology continues to grow, um, you know, with cell phones and Snapchat and Instagram and TikTok and all of these things, you know, our students um, are you know, interacting with so many people in so many different ways. Um, and I think from that, I've seen kind of two things happening um, that I think are just good for us to, you know, just be in our minds. And, mm -hmm. and, this, and this translates mm -hmm. to adults as well. Yeah, sure. But uh, it's especially with our teenagers in these formative years. I've seen two things. Number one is that because of all these interactions, because of all this, this thing, th there is a, a shallowing of interactions there's a shallowing and so you know you can go and and interact with um you know hundreds or th even thousands of people a day and not have any kind of interacting mm -hmm. conversation um, yeah because they're just all these multiple digital connections and you're just changing and ch you know and, mm -hmm. and conversations you can even see that just in the trend of, of you know text messages text messages are no longer full sentences they're just a couple of letters that mean several words or it's an emoji yeah. you know we're seeing even that getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter yeah. Um, I told the congregation my feelings were hurt the first time somebody just sent back K, K. Yeah. <laughs> instead yeah. of even OK. Yeah. Can't you even send OK? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so because of that, I think what's happening is that we are, especially with our students, is that they have gotten a very false impression of what friendship and fellowship looks like. Mm -hmm. um, it's come down to Snapchat streaks which is, if you don't know, is, is every, every day that you send this person a snap, you keep your streak alive. Oh, so, a streak. Okay, I got gotcha. you. So, mm -hmm. you, so it's very, very important. If this person is truly your friend, you have to keep the streak going. And so you'll, it'll just send a nonsense thing. And so it just, it, it, this friendship has become so shallow and so um, really mechanical is that I think that we, they have accepted a very flat and shallow understanding of what friendship and, and ultimately mm -hmm. biblical fellowship mm -hmm. looks mm -hmm. like. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those... The, so how do we combat that with youth ministry? Yeah, so I think, you're, first of all, it's just, you know, bringing it up, but it's also just challenging yeah. them just in, in their, their thinking. And, and, and parents, one of the things that I would also encourage in um, is encourage your students to talk to people face-to-face as much as they can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I try to tell our students as well, if you're going to have any kind of serious conversation, don't do it over text. Don't do it over, you know, phone call, face, you know, talk to people. Have these kind of That's conversations. Um, just because, well, and the, so the, here's, so that's kind of that, that one side here. So it's just this false sense of that. But then on the other side, um, because of technology, um, our students are never out of reach. They're never yeah. alone. And so they just always, there is this expectation that our students and, and adults are going to be available 24-7. Yeah. You know. That's new in human history. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, with, with the text messages, with, with email, even business and all these things, is that what you're seeing is that our, our, our students are not getting legitimate downtime. 
Mm. They're not getting legitimate alone time. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if they are, they're feeling guilty about it or they're feeling anxious about it Mm -hmm. because that phone is probably buzzing somewhere. Yeah. You know, and so I think part of that and then pile in just all of the pressure that you have, A, to respond to everybody or B, to produce whatever you are on social media to mm-hmm. keep up that perspective or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever they are. You know, you're, I'm just seeing, I think this is a large reason of why our students are, or why we're seeing teens struggle with mental illness and struggle with depression mm-hmm. is because they're both run completely f- ragged. Just exhausted. But then, mentally. And then the interactions that they have aren't giving them the resources that they're that yeah and oh by the way did we not mention hey we'd like for you to make all a's and get a scholarship or win the state championship in your event please you know and and every team every club everything has us has a group me and they expect you to be (laughs) you know and so uh, so, it's hard and and so part of a young person in some ways absolutely my heart is is very heavy for them it's just burdens that they have to carry that even you know i didn't have to do even kids 10 years ago didn't have we can bring the joy of relationship. I mean, the church has always been like the stealth bomber flying under the radar mm-hmm. that really is incarnational, mm-hmm. like life on life. We can bring that joy mm-hmm. of um, people that are right in front of us mm-hmm. through ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, this, this, that's part of the reason why I believe, you know, with youth ministry of doing things like re- retreats and conferences yeah. and mission trips, because it's in those moments that you're faced you have to truly interact, and you have to be annoyed, and you have to, you know, that, that's one of the other things, too, is because of kind of the shallowing, it's very easy to write someone off. Yeah. It's very easy to just be bored with what the interaction or, or walk away. You know, having those prolonged interactions forces you to deal with someone who may think, feel, or act differently than you, mm-hmm. uh, even someone whom you love. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, and that's where we see a lot of our bonding happens is on those trips because it's yeah. genuine. And small groups are great for that Ab- too. Yes, absolutely. And we are blessed with an incredible amount of small gr- adult small group leaders at Man, we do. time. And so I think that that's one thing. You know, Highlands does do well as a church. I think that's something we strive to do with our youth ministry mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that that's just one of the things that just want to keep on the forefront of our mind with our youth. And that, yes, teenagers are the same as teenagers were 20, 30 years ago. But they are... 2,000 years ago. Right. <laughs> but the, the unique burdens of, of technology... Um, is cha- is and will continue to change the game daily. Yeah. Um, and our students are confused by it without knowing they're confused yeah. by it. Let's pray that the gospel proclaimed and lived out uh, will become that counter-definer mm-hmm. of whose we are, who we are, mm-hmm. and what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Billy, it's just been great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for that. I think it's just a lot to listen to and, and to consider, and um, I'm just glad for the congregation to get to know you a little bit better. No, well, thank you. I've, I've enjoyed it.